All right, everyone, welcome once again to the Faces of Business. And as usual, I did not have the video screens lined up right, but now I do. I am Damon Pasolka, your host for our show today. And I am excited because we have Jane Mintz with us here today from Jane Mintz Consultancy. And Jane is a, I'm going to say this is a lot of words, concierge, clinical strategist, and crisis intervention specialist. Jane, welcome. Thanks, Damon. So great to be with you. Yeah, I'm, I'm really excited to talk to you today yeah. because I think there's there's a lot of people that will be very interested in what mm -hmm. you do once we get going here and uh, just just happy to see, see what we can uncover. So let's start back a ways here, Jane. Let's talk sure. about your background and what, you know, how does someone... How does you evolve into being a crisis intervention specialist and a concierge clinical strategist? Well, it's a it's I'm going to try to boil it down to something interesting for your audience. But what uh, what I I am a licensed clinician, so I'm a, my license is an LPC, which is a licensed professional counselor. Mm -hmm. And from there, just like any subspecialty, imagine that you're in medicine, you're in medical school and you get your basic education. And then as you start to get towards graduation point, you start to look at what specialties you might wanna break out into. Well, I've been an entrepreneur my whole life. Prior to this work, I was in the LPGA, and prior to that, I was in the microcomputer industry, and I had my own computer brokerage firm. So I'm entrepreneurial by nature. So I looked at this field of counseling and said, really, where do I fit in this? Because I, I'm not, uh, don't have the temperament to be an in-office therapist. I really didn't want to work uh, in an institution, you know, and I started chipping away at all these things. And I thought, well, wait a second, what did I just spend all the, <laughs> no, but what yeah. I did is I looked, I looked because my father is, was a, an eye surgeon. And from the time I was a little girl, he would take me on emergencies into the emergency room into the operating okay. room it was just a different day back then. But what I learned from that was how to self-regulate my emotions and really being able to compartmentalize, uh, be hyper-focused at the task at hand, work under pressure or watch mm -hmm. my dad work under pressure. And so I, you know, the, the whole concept of crisis became very interesting to me and I'm very well suited for that. So that's where, you know, at the, that stage, it, intervention was just um, percolating as an industry. Um, mm -hmm. You know, there was the TV show and that was it. Um, and I, but I was intrigued with the prospect of walking, you know, being in, invited into a family that was an abject crisis as a result of loving somebody that was being, you know, completely sucked under by addiction and mental health and lifestyle and all these things and just watching that family wreckage, I immediately thought, you know, family systems, small business systems, corporate systems, crisis, mm -hmm. as it relates to my field, which is addiction, mental health and lifestyle, that became, that was the birth of my, my first company, Real Life Intervention Solutions. And so all these many years later, flipped many chapters down the way um, I evolved, I've evolved into a consultancy and today I work with high net or ultra high net worth family systems, individuals, generational, you know, wealth issues that are in crisis 
as a result of lack of communication, um, distributions, setting up trusts, estate planning, succession planning, all of it, because you've got this cast of characters called a family. Yeah. You know, and it can be a work family, it can be otherwise, but that is yeah. uh, enormously challenged when one link in that system is completely unlinked. Do you know what yeah. I mean? It's yeah. like, it can be epically bad and it can be PR bad. It can be life-threatening bad. It can be, you know, stock exchange bad. That's, you know, epic. So yes. that's how I evolved into it. And, you know, one case led to nine, led to, you know, I'm probably in the somewhere in the thousands at this point. Um, yeah. But I love it. And this is where I am. And I work in that space. Mm -hmm. So uh, that was a big question. I hope I answered it for you. This is, this is cool. This is cool because, yeah, you've been you've been at this a while. So let's, yeah. let's uncover a couple things. So first of all, you you wrote a book a while back, I believe. How how the field model of intervention? What what kind of inspired you to write a book about intervention? Well, you know, it, it, that's a that's an interesting question too. The field model of intervention was never published. I could have self published or done yeah. other things with it. But I when I looked into the industry after coming out of really an intense academia, you know, clinical all that training. And I saw that other people like me uh, were not licensed, were not uh, very clinically savvy. They were 12 step savvy. They knew how to sort of bottom line somebody into treatment, crack them over their knees, strap them to the hood of the car and off to treatment they go. And I saw a lot, saw a lot more trauma being foisted on people uh, while ultimately they got help. Many people don't get over the resentment and yeah. so, um, and and so, when you look at the population of people that are in crisis, if you need somebody to come in, it's bad. I mean, it's bad. Mm -hmm. But if you don't have any clinical training, you're not prepared for what you see on the other end. And you know, AA speak, and uh, and if you don't do this, we're going to do that to you. If you don't do this, we're going to take this away from you. If you don't do this, we're going to. XYZ. And that was really the, uh, that wasn't a very loving way to uh, get somebody into treatment or, or care of some sort. Yeah, care. Yeah. So, what I decided to do was to train interventionists in clinical issues as they pertain to this population in crisis. And so, the field model of intervention, which I wrote in 2009, um, and then uh, redrafted in 2013, uh, became a way for non-clinicians to get a really good handle on why some of these clients are in crisis, what's behind it, what's the motivating force, and most importantly, is to give them some idea if they're in their scope or out of their scope. Anybody that is, it, it's a personal uh very personally and ethically offensive to me when somebody comes in and tells a family that they can do something and they have no foundation yeah. for that. So I tried to help uh, uh, many, many people actually uh, understand what's underneath crisis, what's underneath the meltdown, what's underneath the disintegration, the de you know the decompensation of this individual. 
So I, it, I helped to create a little bit more informed lay environment out there. I still would recommend that people work with clinicians that are that have many, many years in crisis in the field. And, you know, we can talk about that too. But that was a good question, Damon. Well, it's it's interesting you say that because I hadn't, I hadn't thought, thought about that before, that, you know, when when you find a family member in crisis, that, that whole thing is how do we get them to the treatment they need and how do we do it in a loving manner rather than, like you said, and I've heard a lot of this is like, hey, you're you're out of this family unit if things yeah. don't get straight. So we're, we're shipping you off to, to treatment someplace or, or you're going to get this kind of help or, or, you know, you're no longer in the business, but that's not a loving way to do it. Well, you know, sometimes it's, it's important to um, do a whole lot of straight talk <clears throat> with people regarding their behavior. Mm -hmm. And I'm all for that. I'm all for saying, look, I understand that you think this, but let us reflect back to you what the impact of your behavior is on your business, on your marriage, on your children, on your finances, on your legacy, on your license. It goes on and on. And <clears throat> that's where you run into um, diagnostically complicated people because I, I'm, a, I'm a clinician, obviously, I do everything by assessment. So when somebody calls me, uh, they have to kind of fill out some very easy, mm -hmm. you know, I've made it easy, but for me, I can almost profile who I'm gonna be meeting one day, uh, just by what, how this, my assessments are set up. That prepares me, because if you, if you look at the reasons people come into crisis, which is what I taught, most of most people, um, there's a, a good heap of trauma involved. You know, something happened, and something tipped the scales mm -hmm. for people to go from, you know, daily social drinkers that may overserve themselves once or twice a night while they're watching Succession, right? Yeah. To absolutely not being able to control the amount. And then you see lack of empathy, you see uh, driving incidents, you see hiding. I, I'm giving you this most simplistic things, but behind yeah. that is pain, is psychic pain. So what is it that this person is suffering from? And if you can get to the, to underneath that, you have a better way to reach somebody from an empathetic point of view. Now, if you're dealing with somebody that's in, in my demographic, I would say, you know, 90 plus percent of the people that I work with have some form of narcissism, right? Okay. And that's on a continuum. And most successful people can be quite narcissistic, if not mm -hmm. be narcissists. But we see lots of other diagnoses. We see, you know, mood disorders. We see financial gambling disorders. Um, um, sex addictions, a lot of sexual acting out, uh, a variety of different substances. When you start mixing those with individuals that have had a whole lifelong story of struggles and maybe even some private struggles that they've never shared with anybody, you sprinkle a healthy dose of life on top of that and lots of pressure and, mm -hmm. and things happen. 
So that's just that's just looking at the evolution of what one person might be experiencing. But back to the point is you can't be a one trick pony. Yeah. If you don't understand what borderline personality traits look like versus PT a complex PTSD traits mm-hmm. and what reactive personality reactive personalities are likely to do when they're put in a pressure cooker, you may just choose to to uh, try a different strategy other than piling on, you know, mm-hmm. uh, and surprising people and all sorts of that. Now, if you, uh, there's, uh, there are a lot of people that uh, can disappear pretty quickly. So, you, you know, it's just, what is the situation? What do we need to do? What's the opening that we need? What's the messaging? And then we've got to get in front of people. So sometimes it is a little bit creative, uh, but that's just like, you know, seriously, Damon, that is, it's like the most, almost everybody in some form that comes into my practice needs to be redirected, Mm -hmm. right? So when I look at the term intervention, I look at it as any means, methods, or strategies that help people make a change, right? So I don't look at it as a technique. That's like, that's that, and that, that there's so, the, the, the true intervention, clinical intervention is an art. Mm-hmm. It's really an art. And so, you know, it's been an exciting career. I've been able to give back a ton to my, to the world. And, and yeah. what it's given me is four times, you know, more. Yeah. It's just to be a part, to be in the solution in a dire situation with very complex circumstances um you know is a is a it's an an honor and a privilege to be able to serve on that level and i have a robust you know my my networks run wide and deep so for Mm -hmm. people that have a daughter that's on an alcoholic bender or is running from a boyfriend and and i have security teams all over the world you know there's no there's really all people have to do is just say, you know, just explain what the problem is. Yeah. And and I feel pretty comfortable that my ethics will say, oh man, that's just that's not in my scope, but I can refer you on. Yeah. But I have a big enough basket that and a lot of a lot of uh, experience. So there's not a whole yeah. lot I can't handle. But it's just it's just an interesting field. Um, well, there's no doubt, no doubt. Yeah. It's an interesting feel because it's like, it's like, uh, um, you, you deal with a different, a, a different situation for sure. Right. Um, and, and you have unique challenges when you're looking at family businesses, generational right. wealth situations, or, uh, high level corporate executives right? Uh, who may have, you know, whatever, have whatever kind of challenges, just, just because it is different because there's, you know, in walking around on the street, normally you don't have to worry about the impact of, eh, I drank too much and I fell down or I drank too much and my, I, I wrecked my car or something like that. What, but on, for some people that is, it's a, a many, many, many million dollar instant. Oh, absolutely. And, and, uh, the legal consequences can be phenomenal. Yeah. Uh, the wreckage, you know, I think that people say, well, you know, why don't you, ju- you know, you, what you do is so special, Jane, why don't you just work with the general population? And, you know, part of it is that 
I, I relate to this demographic quite well. Mm-hmm. I think you have to be believable in that space. Mm-hmm. And the truth is, you know, when I try to spread the love among all demographics, it's not possible because my resources are more insur- private insurance based and cash pay based. Mm-hmm. So it is enormously frustrating to talk to a, a, a lovely family that just does not have the wherewithal to hire mm-hmm. me or to fit into that lane. I'm, I'm sort of, that's my lane. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, you yeah. know, you know, you know where you fit the best and that's, yeah. and, and that's where you stay. And right. That's good right. Because you provide that service that, that they need. And right. It's different. It's, it's yeah. different. Yeah. It's like, yeah. it's like someone that, someone that drives this kind of, brand of automotive and someone drives a much different brand of automotive they need different different kind of people working on them that's for sure and different yeah. technical skills and those things right so it's 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 interesting to me just to if we could hear some of the situations that because you said thousands of situations some what just give us an idea of some of the situations that you're called upon to, to talk to people about or help people with? Um, wow, that's a wide open question. But I'll, I'll just talk to you about what happened yesterday at my desk. So right. <laughs> uh, I'm working on several cases right now. One, I have uh, a family system where there's a 60 year old male. So, uh, you know, high net worth family system. Yeah. 60 year old male that has not worked in 10 years and is now abusing um, the grandmother, his mother, and uh, working, her, manipulating her to give him money. Mm-hmm. And um, it's a it's a mental health case, but it's an elder abuse case as well. Mm-hmm. So what started out wow. with looking at um, just the dynamic of what can we do to help this guy get on his feet? What can we do to help shore him up? You know, the answer is we we start out with a guy like that with a full neuropsych workup. And I want to know what's going on before I even make a move to talk to the family about what this is and what kind of support we need and, you know, kind of treatment plan. Um, But then as the case evolved, we learned that he was sneaking into his mom's um, assisted living uh, and she was giving him all of her meals. So she was starving. She was being mentally wow. and emotionally abused. She was being pilfered. He was putting her on the phone with help decks to change passwords. I mean, all of this. So it oh, went wow. from, gee, how can we help Gilbert yeah. to, holy crow, we've got a big problem here. Yeah. So that's one case. Another case is a um, Midwest family that, um, again, of means that his daughter uh, had some kind of break and picked up her two-year-old child and has been on the lam for two years. Wow. And this dad is beside himself because there is, she is um, uh, in the wind. So I have my security team on that one. Another one. Uh, young gal uh, went to a, a big school in Ohio. Okay. And uh, her freshman year met a guy, and he um, 
he started grooming her. And the the two of them left school and moved up north. And he now has her dressed in Amish clothing, uh, working 24-7 in a, a little eBay shop. They collect stuff off the I mean, it's it's unbelievable. And she is now guarded by three dogs and uh, has an infant. You know, three two two German shepherds and a Great Dane and live in a one-bedroom apartment and has cut off all communication with her family. And then the last one I'll just give you, that's, I, I have more, but I'll give you one, uh, a new inquiry around a G5 family structure. So, I mean, a one through five G, you know, G family structure. And <clears throat> where there were several pools of different businesses that all earned billions. Mm -hmm. And it's now come down to two people and one is entirely suited uh, to take over and manage the foundations and the this and that, and the other one is a hot mess. And so what do we do now? And how yeah. do we work that out? And so that, because they all have kids and they have, it's just a whole thing. And you know what? We, we make it happen. We really make it happen. Yeah. You know, it's about being tenacious and being uh, curious being resilient when things don't work, what do you do? Do you, you know, we just shift, right? And uh, so I work on all sorts of, you know, complicated mental health stories. And I work with um, a lot of addiction as well. A lot of addiction, or let's just call it substance misuse, people that are trying to medicate uh, and that have created a whole nother problem for themselves. So it just, it gets bigger and, you know, I have cases in Switzerland and this and that, but I work with families all over the world and I can mm -hmm. do most of it from here, but I will travel yeah. as well. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. That's something. Yeah. That's something because that was yesterday. Yeah. That was yesterday. <laughs> Go. So let's talk about because we're we're talking about the problems you see, but let's mm -hmm. talk about some of the success stories. Because I think that, you know, one of the things that that really always interests me and fills my heart with good is when we see someone that, you know, is not doing so well, but has done what they needed to do. Because you know, you've you've helped find the right resources, get the family around the right way, and you go, this was this this was this person and now this is this person. Yeah. I have, you know, I'm happy to report that I have so many happy stories. Yeah. And a few clunkers, but oh yeah, there's some clunkers. Yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. But, um, I'll give you a family system. Um, it's a three G family system, one, two mm -hmm. and three G. And they had blown apart. And what we learned was there was severe trauma inflicted on one of the daughters. She was raped by a neighbor. Um, she then had an incident with her brother that was considered sexual um, boundary violations to be sure mm -hmm. as they were growing up. And now the, the family system working with fantastic fiduciaries and advisors had to pull into full halt because the children weren't talking to each other and it was a family business and each of the children were equally, you know, had equal parts ownership. 
-hmm. really bad situation. So instead of, you know, going in there, uh, oh, wait, I won't tell you about that. Over six months, I would go down for long weekends and I would work with this family. And as a result today, they were able to produce a five-star film on the success of this company for a very big anniversary. Uh, All the siblings are reconnected back in the fold together. We're all on this video together talking about the company and laughing with what, I mean, the the growth, the joy, the, the risks they took, they cannot get over where they were a year ago or a year and a half ago. And they're, they're intact financially, all the kids, you know, it's like, it, it, it was a Christmas miracle. We, we did a lot of good work. So that's, but you see a lot of successes, particularly when there were substances, when you start to mix substance with mental health, severe mental health, mm-hmm. your, the, the prognosis gets a little more challenging, but there's lots of people that, you know, were cross addicted to many substances and, and behaviors that were able to kind of look the beast in the mirror and figure yeah. out a new way of doing things. And I have hundreds of stories like that. So it really almost doesn't matter how bad it is. It's amazing how resilient humans are mm-hmm. and how, how resilient families are. If you really instruct them, teach them, coach them, counsel them into learning a different way of communicating with one another. And that's where the success of the cases come from is that the rebuilding of the foundation of the communication system because it is you know pretty upside down mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. wow wow so when you when you come into these situations can you sense i mean you've done this a lot right so you're, yeah. you're gonna walk into these situations can you say can you sense that I'm not going to be able to help these people just because of A, B and C personalities here. Have you been able to do that over time where you just go, yeah, this isn't going to work. Well, I kind of cut my teeth on those people because that's all I was getting referred early in my career. Yeah. yeah, And and then those types of folks had like the, the letter J imprinted on their forehead. People would just say, Oh my God, just send, send that to Jane. Yeah. So I happen to really like those people. Okay. And if you know, I I'm a I'm a no nonsense broad. Okay. So mm-hmm. when you're when you're in a consultation with me, I'll love you to death, but I'm also going to guide you, and we're going to really talk a lot about um, what's work, what's working, and what's not. And if I can't see any level of insight that's going to positively influence the case, then I will not take it because. I know that I'm going to be inflicting harm on someone. So I simply won't take a case and, or I will fire a family. Yeah. Yeah. And I've done that. I've fired many families. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, cause uh, you, you said it, you, you have to instruct and coach and all these other things, but yeah. in the end, yeah, it is the family making the changes. And if that's that, right, they don't hold up their end of the bargain. Nothing changes. Right. And you really can't have a a clean narrative with an individual unless they can they can sense on an energetic level that change is afoot. 
you know, people are very energetically inclined and very intuitive. But so when, when there's a shift, the first person that knows it is the affected individual because they're dealing on such a high energetic level because their other resources aren't available to them. They're not thinking clearly. They're not, you know, they're attaching stories to things that aren't there or, you know, it just goes on and on. So that's why when you asked me that question about the field model, I loved it because this shows exactly why clinical expertise in the demographic you serve, right? And for the pot, you know, that you have to, you have to know what you're doing. Mm -hmm. And so there you go. <laughs> yeah, it's awesome. It's awesome because you know? I mean, it, it, it is, I mean, because literally you, you, you don't, a lot of times you won't read about this. A lot of times you won't hear about this because yeah. a lot of this stuff just, just goes down the tubes and, and no one really knows. Right? right. And someone dies, someone, you know, family falls apart, whatever it is. But, uh, you know, this is a lot more common than people realize, I think. Well, you know, it's interesting since I started really working collegially with the financial industry. Mm hmm. It has changed so many lives. And my biggest referral source are you is you all because you see it in everything you do. Lawyers see it. Estate mm -hmm. planners see it. Single family offices, multifamily offices, um, financial consultants. They know dysfunction when they see it because they can they can track it. Mm -hmm. And they're all like, oh, no, what are we going to do now? And since I have such good rapport with so many people in your field, the power of what we can do together is extraordinary. Is yeah. I mean, literally change generational family issues simply by intervening. And what I mean is shifting the dynamic mm -hmm. and moving towards health. And it's, it really is miraculous when you get that kind of buy-in. And so that's, that's why I've stayed in this for 23 years. Yeah. It's, it's, well, it's, it's cool to be able to talk to someone with your experience level in, in helping these high net family units right. and businesses do this because it's, it is not only impacts the family, the family unit, their generational wealth, but typically these people are tied to large businesses that, that affect thousands of other people that rely on them, rely on those businesses right. cases for their livelihood, their, their, their income, their careers. And That's all right. Stuff. And it can go down the toilet with one person. Well, that, think that, about think about how much how much abuse one person can heap on a corporate system. Yeah, and make the work culture impossible. Yeah, and people are truly miserable, and people go home crying, and people are frustrated, and people aren't this and that. I mean, and it's the boss's son. Yeah. Yeah. It's junior number two and junior is off at the club, plays around a golf, six drinks later, 
you know, gets up in the mornings, hungover, has to swing into the bar at 1030. You know, I mean, it happens all the time, yeah. all the time. And you talk about how that degrades a business because in a large oh. business, the people are going to say, and this is the person who's going to take over the business. Why the hell well, do I want to be here? And a business knows that that its its most precious resources are its people. Yes. And so people that are addicted or in mental health crisis are not nice people. They're just not. They're either not around, they're wreaking yes. havoc, either chipping away at the edges or they're right in the middle throwing flame, you know, flames. And people go, well, there's nothing we can do because it's the boss's son and he won't do anything about it. So we're just meant to suffer. Well, that's, first of all, how do you reconnect those people back to, you know, it's like it's, you're losing so much. Yes. And and a lot of people in the workplace, and this was very common many years ago, would say, you know, even fiduciaries would say, you know, it's just not none of my business. You know, I'm here to yeah. do the financial planning. I'm here to knock the numbers to down. And, and that's just not true. Mm -hmm. And people need to snap out of that because, you know, when you don't act, you are partially responsible for keeping that person sicker longer. And yep. in some way, you are complicit in what happens next. So when somebody goes out and kills a family of four or hangs themselves in their, in their office bathroom and you said nothing, yeah. that's on you. So saying nothing anymore is not human ethic. Mm -hmm. It's not even a business ethic. Yeah. Right. It's just avoidant behavior. Mm -hmm. And so we can't do that anymore. We just can't do it. Cause we, we I mean, uh, uh, bad things happen. Oh yeah. Really bad things happen. Yeah. Yeah, they do. I mean, and, 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 and are and happening. The, right. Yeah. Are happening. Yeah. Are happening. And they happened to people that you would not think that they would. That's right. And, and you, just, right. you just wake up and go, holy heck, Steve killed himself or something. Can you believe, right, can yeah, you believe it, Steve killed himself? Yeah. What on earth, right? And yeah. then nobody asked Steve, how are you today? Yeah, yeah. And it and it happens. And and then and they just the standing staying alongside or just allowing it to happen without trying to 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 help someone or say something anymore is just not acceptable. I'm it's not. You know, and at the minimum, it's very hard to figure out how to do that, you know, and it can get very messy. So hopefully, and, and I, I don't really have, I wish I had faith in HR departments. I, I, I'm i sorry. I just think no, they're, they're not, they're not uh, equipped for it. Well, yeah. and a lot of them, a lot of them have alignments and this and that. And I, I, you know, they're not, I mean, they may be clinicians, but they're not in the field. Yeah. And and I hate to impugn that, but if there are good HR departments, um, they maybe somebody will pick up on something. But then that takes a very very uh, uh, kind of rote rollout, and most bigs are not going to allow that, right? Mm -hmm. So it's gonna it's we have to figure out what the best entry point is, what the most respectful entry point is, or what the entry point is to hit somebody over the head with a mallet because they have to be stopped. 
you know, and I'm speaking metaphorically. I, I have a yeah, flair yeah, for the yeah. dramatic, but 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 these are these are mental <laughs> word pictures that means so much. And I do yes. speak in word pictures. I'm, I'm I know it's an unusual way of speaking, but you know, it really is that. Sometimes people need a massive wake up call, oh, and yes. and and or you know, we have to just look at what the right way to have the conversation is, and that's where the art and the strategy come in. Yeah, well, definitely. I mean, because what you're saying is these people could be in in a multi hundred million dollar business and they could be in billions, 10 billions. It could be, <laughs> and they could be, and they could be in, inflicting millions and hundreds of millions of damage every single week, month that they're, they're messing with this, the way they are living the way they are. Or it's just, or, or neglecting it. Yeah. You know, that's or the other thing, it, right. right. Is you see people just step out and they think they've built a, a machine that runs on its own. And, uh, then people start panicking because the business starts sliding sideways and, and it's, you need leadership. You need people that enjoy working together that have Mm -hmm. the, you know, it, it all, it's, it's a mind, body, spirit thing. And I know it sounds weird for like a corporate thing, but it is true. You miss any one of those components and you're in trouble. Yeah, it, it it is. Well, in high performing companies, it, you, you have to be, it has to be, you're all in. Yeah, it can't be. Can't be. I'm just showing up. I'm giving you what I got. It's I got to give you my mind, body, and spirit if you really want to do it right. Yeah, and and that's that's what they need. And and it's, it's you just can't do that when you do, you have a leader that is you know in a bad point. Absolutely, bad absolutely. So, awesome, awesome. So the uh. Well, you answered a couple of questions I had. I was going to ask about the keys to successful to successful recoveries that you oh. see, but it, but let's talk about that for a moment. I think you've answered it a bit, but this this what are no, some but of I, these? I do have some more to sprinkle on that. I, there I we do, go. Like okay, this is a thing of mine. I speak about this all the time. Good is the three keys to wellness, in my opinion. Three keys to wellness, right? Are insight, willingness and time. Okay. So let's start with willingness. There is, there are people that appear to be willing, but aren't all in. There are people that will uh, be willing in order to placate a room of people that are looking at them saying, you know, (laughs) you gotta like get this together. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, But true willingness is a spiritual leap of faith is the belief that if I do something different, even though that I have no safety net underneath me, I believe that I am doing the next right thing and that I have the support to do it. So willingness really is a a spiritual departure from all the things you've done in the past. Right. Mm -hmm. And it's a, it's a conscious, it's a willingness. It's a, it's a, uh, you make a choice. Right. So then after that comes insight And this is where we really see the clinical piece of it. Insight is so important because insight-driven wellness is sustainable wellness. It's not just about stopping, you know, cocaine or, or, you know, sexual acting out or, or, um, you know, uh, serial infidelity. It's about understanding why you're driven into these behaviors understanding the impact that the behaviors have on the people 
and the things that you love the most and you care deeply about the most and taking full responsibility for yourself and saying, aha, I get it. And being able to walk that way versus the other way. It's, I get it. I am no longer willing to engage in this behavior. I understand the impact it has had, and I'm no longer willing to be, to perpetrate that on people and myself. Right. Mm -hmm. And then time. And so, so if you are a, if you have a personality disorder, one of the hallmark features of a personality disorder would be borderline narcissistic personality, antisocial personality. Um, you know, it goes on and on. If you, if you don't have insight, and that's what these people likely don't have, you really can't get well because you can't make that internal course correction. It's all very externalized. So you'll see a lot of people saying, well, if only my work environment was more inclusive, if only my work environment, if I, only I was valued for my work, uh, I wouldn't have to feel this resentful towards my boss who passes me. You know, I'm just giving you very generous things. Yeah, so yeah. if you don't have insight, you're probably not going to get really well. Yeah. Okay. That's the truth of it. And then here's the, the third part time. Everybody looks at their watch and thinks, that's there's no time it's living it right so when people say well i'll only do this for 30 days or i'll do i'll go to 90 meetings in 90 days I, i'm just talking addiction speak um that's clock watching that's not time yeah time is to immerse yourself in the wonder of the discovery process of being able to have mm -hmm. things happen and being able to say, geez, you know, that was a surprise, but understanding what the lesson is, right? Time isn't about I'm putting time into this. So A plus B equals C. And when I hit mm -hmm. the C mark, I'm done. That is not the way. <laughs> it's yeah. about embracing the wonders of the world and only through lifting man-made constructs of time off of that can you truly live gratefully and joyfully right? In a very connected way. Yeah. So that those are three buckets. And if, if people can fall in those buckets, it's unbelievable what's around the corner. I, I'm a living example of that. Living example, alcohol, cocaine addict, 23 years, it'll be 24 this summer, uh, of just building on things that I, I consider to be successful, non-successful. And then I recognized how much judgment I was putting on. It's just information. So nothing really bad happens, right? It's your perception of it. And what, you know what I'm saying? Like we put these, mm -hmm. we wrap these hard stories around things and we have such, anyway, th those are the three things. So I'm rambling a little bit. No, Inside. it's awesome listening yeah. to you. It's awesome yeah. listening. It really well, I'm a, I'm a bouncing ball anyway, but people usually get what I'm talking about. But but if yeah. you can think about that, it's really a, a, a miracle how many people not only um, survive this, but thrive yeah. and do, and go and do good like I did. You know, mm -hmm. we when you recover from something that's trying to kill you, 
and you can help other people, that's the tool, that's the vehicle for getting well, being of service to others in some capacity. So now you are here to serve, not to be served. And we all know that giving is a heck of a lot better than getting yeah. and much more rewarding. And it connects you to your, to your fellow people. Yeah. Yeah. My goodness. I'm pontificating this evening. It's awesome though. <laughs> it's awesome. It's awesome because, you know, people that listen to me long enough will realize that, that I go off on that uh, quite a bit. And, and as far as, you know, most of us are hung up simply because we don't experience the wonder that's around us every single moment of every single day. That's right. That's, that's the thing. And, yeah. and I, and I look at, and I look at that and you're talking about it and, and you're talking about helping others and how right. that helps people live better lives and do, do better things. And that really, I think is a foundation for people that have, when you look at some people say they found their calling or their passion or whatever, I really think that's what they found is they really found oh, their, their way to help others. Yeah. And they felt that. Right. Yeah. And so it's cool. Listen to you here. Listen to you talk about it. Um, yeah. It's just, it's, <laughs> it's really cool. Jane. To, to but you know, if you look at our population and I'll, I'll be short about this, our people that we serve are high net worth, high asset individuals, Imagine the good that can be done if they felt good about themselves. Oh, imagine, right? And so our entire field is made up of people that have stumbled and gotten up mm -hmm. and are now serving, right? It, you know, lawyers that have lost their licenses, doctors that have lost their licenses all serve in this field because they can. But the real key, the litmus test is, are you happy? Mm -hmm. And you, when you walk around seeing people fundamentally miserable, they, yeah, and you do, you see it all the time. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Right. That's not okay. That's a, that's poison. They're spreading poison. So, you know, being happy is important. Yeah, no doubt. Well, again, Jane, Thank you so much for being here today. It was awesome talking to you. Just incredible, incredible learning from you talking about uh, crisis intervention, some of the situations you're called in to help people. And if people want to to talk to you, uh, your website is once again, Jane. JaneMintz.com. J-A-N-E-M-I-N-T-Z.com. And then they could just talk to my assistant, Jen, and I'm happy to talk to anybody. Very good. Very good. Well, I just want to thank you for being here, Jane, and, and sharing this with us because it's so beneficial. And I'm I'm sure that someone today is listening to it and they may have a family situation with their their business or their family mm -hmm. businesses that they're doing that, that, that you're going to help them. And I know that you said, you mentioned this a while back in the show, that I know some of the, the wealth planners that I'm working with that are working with these kind of individuals are starting to really deal with this. They're, oh, they're not standing alongside of it now. And, and they're, and that makes me feel better too, just because it, it does affect so many, not it just does. The families. But. And the fact that you're podcasting about this is it's, it's so important. And I appreciate so much being a guest on your show because I know we've done good together today. And if we've influenced anybody's thinking at all, I mean, that's the throw the pebble in a pond, right? That's what we just it did. Is. And I'm just so grateful. Thank you. 
Awesome. 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 Well, thanks once again, everyone that was listening, all the commenters today. We got Bakira, we got Shina, we got Jeffrey, Michael. Michael's saying three years clean and sober. Good job. Yay, dude. Michael. There you go. We always got to celebrate that. That's right. So thanks everyone for being here. All you that made comments, everyone that was listening, go back and listen again. You may be able to learn something from Jane that can help someone, or you may want to reach out to Jen there at janemints.com and talk to them about the situation. And thanks for being here. We'll be back again next week. Jane, hang on for just a moment and we'll talk.